0: Hello, and welcome to Spring Office Hours, episode number 58, Spring Boot 3.2. My name is Dan Vega, Spring Developer Advocate at VMware. With me, as always, is my good friend, Deshaun. Deshaun Carter, how are you doing?
1: I'm happy. It's a great time to be a Spring Developer, and I've got a new toy to play with, and it's called Spring Boot 3.2, and I'm having so much fun already.
0: Well, Spring Boot 3.2, great time to be a Spring Developer, Java 21, great time to be a Java developer, all these new tools. I know everybody can't just pull the new toys off the shelf right away, so we're going to talk about that, talk about how we can maybe help you get there. Uh, but yes, it's an exciting time. Whether you're able to get this into production today or not, you're gonna hear about some of the new features. If you haven't already, we're gonna talk about those today. And obviously, the rest of the year and in the coming months, we'll we'll probably dive deeper into some of these topics. Today is more of a here's what's new and and talk to you. So we are live here on YouTube. If you are listening to us on a podcast later on, because you can get this. On all the major podcast networks, you should join us live here on YouTube because we are hanging out together and you can go ahead and ask your questions live. So if you're here in the live chat, ask your questions. As Deshawn says, if you come to his house and you leave hungry, that's your fault. So make sure you get your questions in. We'll see if we can't answer them. Obviously, if we can keep them on topic today with three point two, that'd be great. Uh, but if they're not, we'll see if we can't get to them in another episode. So, yeah, how's it been going, Deshaun? What have you been up to? I didn't see you last week. We took the week off for Thanksgiving here in the U.S. How have you been doing?
1: It's been too long, actually. It's been too long. I miss you. I miss it you has too. Been too. I know. Long. Uh, we're here now. Things are going great. You know, it, it has been a little like uh, unsettling the holidays oh. and stuff. I ate too much, and now it's just time. It's time to, to move on, right? Maybe it's some time to, like upgrade. Uh,
0: maybe some other things going on in our world there might that be. have been there might unsettling. Be. We won't yeah. get into today, but yes, uh, there's been a lot going on over the last few months. So um, I, I I sent you some pictures. We talked on Thanksgiving. I deep fried a turkey. I did not burn my house down. It's still here.
1: I saw. So you I'm too.
0: proud of that.
1: I saw. I saw the notes. I saw the newsletter. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan. So for those of you that don't know, I'm a fan of Dan Vega.
0: <laughs> uh, I follow
1: Dan. I, I read his newsletter. I'm doing all the stuff. Uh, I'm still learning all the time. I think both of us would be considered continuous learners, and that's what we're trying Absolutely. to do. Absolutely,
0: I think we're lifelong learners. I mean, life-long we
1: learners. just we love learning, so that's why we're here. Um, so Jitter Ted, I got to do a stream with Jitter Ted last week. We took two of the I, applications that he runs, and we upgraded it on live. And was this his
0: event planning app? I saw the I saw the notification on LinkedIn, and you know it was so busy last week here hosting people, so I didn't get a chance to see it. I've got to mark that down in my notes to make sure I go back and watch that. I'm yeah. really interested in
1: seeing. It was that. it was awesome. It, honestly, it was um, it was uneventful. I, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more challenges, <laughs> but the challenges that we had, his audience is great. We had help from the audience, and we were able to get through to apps uh, and have a lot of like time to like. Go off on tangents. So it was fantastic. I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. And yeah, it was just it was fun. So that was kind of the highlight for me.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, it was fun. Um <laughs> without a net
1: and nobody was hurt.
0: Glad <laughs> glad to be back. Um, it's it's always a weird time because we had like I had the week off. I had to take the week off because we host so many people and we have so much to do. So I have the week off. I come back. And it feels like there's just like short little window and then we're back to Christmas break and then it's like, all right, the new year, fresh new start. So it's always a weird time of year. But uh, I'm excited because I'm starting to look forward to 2024, starting to like plan out what I want to accomplish. It is like my favorite time of the year because it kind of gets me like re- invigorated rejuvenated, yeah uh, to, to kind of accomplish some of those goals um so I'm excited to share that with you and I think we haven't talked about this yet but I think one of the shows that we should do in the new year is kind of spring forward right like what are our yeah. goals in 2024 what do we want to learn? what do we want to do? And it'd be nice to hear from the community. What What are you trying to learn in 2024? Cause that, that helps us. Like we're here for you. We're here to like learn some things and kind of teach that back to the community. So if there are things that you want to know more about in 2024, uh, please do let us know. And, and that's something we can help out with.
1: So. And I'll say, even if the questions aren't on topic, we might not get to them, but ask your yes. questions. Yep. Um, cause we've got a great community here and Sometimes, even though it might not be on topic, we've got experts uh, here. Watch, so ask your questions, and even if we don't get to it, uh, somebody else from the community might. So please, get your questions out there. We are all here to learn, and it might inspire somebody else and another question. So yeah, we're all here to help. We have this kind of great tool, the thing I wish I had when I was a, a developer, and yeah, that's what we want it to be, so yeah.
0: All right. So I want to dive right in. We're, yeah. we, we have limited time today. We're on a little bit of a, a schedule here, but I want to dive right in. I had someone reach out to me on Twitter and say, hey, great Dan, it's great that Spring Boot 3.2 is out, but when is the Spring Cloud compatible version going to come out? And I said, oh, have you, have you looked at the calendar? The calendar is there. That, that's going to give you exactly what you're looking for. So you can always go over to calendar.spring.io, and they will show you here exactly what's going on as far as the release calendar goes. We see that 3.2 came out um, six. Dot, uh, spring framework 6.1 a week before, and then we could start to see uh what's happening here. If we jump to December, uh, we will see. I think the there it is, the spring cloud release 2023.0. I think this is the compatible version. Looks like looks like it'll come out a week from today. So always check the calendar. Yep. People don't know that it's there. This is why we go over it and try to. Uh, Let everybody know that it's there. Uh, New releases every day. Yeah. I mean, there are releases all the time. And you forget how massive the Spring ecosystem it is. It's not just Spring Framework. It's not just Spring Boot. There's so many projects here. And this is a great way to know what's happening in the ecosystem.
1: You want to zoom in on that one more time? Pump it up so people can kind of see. It's calendar.spring.io. And one of the things that we want to do is we also want to remind you that, yeah, there's a calendar, there's also the kind of the release trains. So just because there's a new version of Spring Boot, there's not always a new version of Spring Cloud. Uh, The release train shows you exactly which versions of Spring Cloud are compatible with which versions of Spring Boot. So there's the link uh, that you can go and see those, the release train, so you can see which versions are compatible.
0: Cool. So that's the calendar. Um, we will get into the release notes in a second. I want to talk uh, something else that is important. If you go to spring.io and go to a project, and, and are any of the projects in here, if you go to the support tab, you can see the current support timeline. And if we go ahead and look at the support timeline for anything that is Spring Boot 2.7.x, uh, that was uh, that ended on 11-24-23.
1: But Dan, um, what does that mean? So, what does that mean to me right now? If the OSS support is done for 2.7, what, what does that mean?
0: So here, if we go down here, OSS support, that means all the free security updates and bug fixes with support from the community the, with from the com- Spring community, so that means if you have like um, any bug fixes or security updates, then you aren't going to get those in the 2.7 line. So how can we how can we get some support uh, if we're out of the OSS support, Deshawn?
1: There's tons of options. Uh, I'd, I'd like to show the the meme uh, from Thomas. But yeah, we have tons of ways to help you upgrade. Open rewrite is one of them. We have Spring Boot Migrator. We have the Spring Boot Migration Guide. That's kind of uh, where you want to start, but who's got time to read that? So come to the office hours. Uh, we'll show you how to upgrade. I've got plenty of uh, videos and examples of doing that. And we've got a, we've got a great example from Jitter Ted last week. It is not as hard as you think. There's gonna be a bunch of applications and we understand that. But a bunch of those applications are really gonna be able to upgrade easily and you wanna get through those first. So don't look for the hard things, get through the easy things. Then when you run into a hard thing, you bring it here. Bring it to the spring office hours and maybe somebody else has ran into that same problem and we can help you get through further.
0: Yep. And if you need commercial support, uh, you need that extension, you need commercial support, uh, go ahead and click on that. Learn more about commercial support. You can find out about the VMware Tanzu Spring Runtime, VSR as we call it. Uh, there's a lot of great features in there. So uh,
1: Simon brings up a good point. Can you go back to start.spring.io? Yes. Um, there's some really uh, interesting things here. Uh, Simon says it's cleaner, but it's cleaner for a few reasons. Uh, yeah. You want to uh, zoom in one time like you'll notice that you cannot choose java 11 or java 8 anymore you can't even choose spring boot 3.0 anymore that was just, yep. that's just a year old yep. but it's gone it's not there
0: it's gone um now if you want to uh create a pro let's just say you had to create a 2.7 project today there are ways you could do it. I mean, you can easily just create the project here and change some versions in there. Change like, the parent palm version. Uh, like we're, not,
1: we're, not trying, we're not trying to tell you to do that. We're, we're trying saying.
0: to nudge, not shove. We shelf. don't
1: want you to create. <laughs> here's the thing. We don't want you to create Spring Boot 2.6 or 2.5 or 2.7. We don't want you to create new versions. So we're not going to make it easy for you. We want you to think, think about the decisions that you're making.
0: And I agree. 21. Somebody had a comment here in the chat. 21 is the right choice. I absolutely agree with that. So if we can, let's choose 21.
1: Uh, thank you, Solitary Turian. I, I definitely need to, uh, I got to work on my, my volume. I got this mic and if I look away from the mic, uh, sometimes, it, but yeah, thank you for, for We got to figure that out. We'll figure we'll, that we'll out. We'll figure it out. But audio, yeah. I appreciate the feedback all the time.
0: All right, so um, we will get into the release notes in just a second. I just want to talk uh, at a at a high level, uh, what are some of the major features coming in uh, Spring Boot 3.2. So first off, you saw on the start.spring.io page the ability to choose Java 21. Java 21 plays a big role here, right? Um, you could use Java 21 with 3.0. But you can't take advantage of some of the features in Java 21, like virtual threads, which we'll get into. Uh, you need Java 21 and Spring Boot 3.2 to take advantage of that. So, Java 21, we we did a show on Java 20, if you 21, if you want to go back and listen to it, we did a we did a show where we took a look at all the features in Java 21 and talked about them, and. I know Virtual Threads is the highlight of this release, and rightfully for some. so. For some. Rightfully so. It's going to change a lot for some, right? And and that's great. But there are a lot of other features that we could take advantage of in Java 21. And now that we're building applications with 21, uh, we get to take advantage of a lot of those. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we talked about Virtual Threads. We'll get into Project Crack, Coordinated Restore at Checkpoint. We'll talk about what that is, what the initial support looks like. Uh, we're going to be, uh, I think both of us will be doing some things later in December with the Azul, so that'll be fun. We'll talk more about Crack as we go. Um, and then the two other things for me are the new client abstractions, so the REST client and the JDBC client. Um, what what kind of sticks out for you, Deshaun?
1: For me, it's it really it kind of boils down to my favorite thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll frame it this way. I'm kind of pulling all of these older workloads forward and I'm trying to show all the benefits where you don't have to do, I'm not doing the new stuff. I'm not like Dan gets to do all the new cool features and take on a bunch of new cool stuff to production. I'm kind of bringing the old stuff and trying to catch it up. So the things that are important for me, the number one thing of this release is the crack support. Uh, the native in, image support and the observability. I want to be able to bring all these awesome new features to my Spring Boot workloads, and it is that easy. It can be super easy. So that's where I get excited. I get excited that I can add value to these workloads that have been running in production for years just by upgrading. That's what I get excited about.
0: That's awesome. Yep, I agree. It's a great, great reason yeah. to uh, be happy. That's the SSL be loading
1: something that has been on my radar. One of the things I have a hard time with because of where we sit is like I hear about the new cool stuff that's happening and, and how it's being developed and get to see it kind of before it goes GA because uh, we have a lot of customers that are kind of like pushing in that direction. So sometimes my lines get blurred as what, what's GA and what's not but this one has definitely been on my radar this SSL uh, reloading has been on my radar for a long time and that is very exciting for a lot of people.
0: So uh, I figure I'm going to go ahead and address this since it's out there. It's following Dan Vegas' tweets about the acquisition of VMware by Broadcom. How does this affect Spring ecosystems' future? So we won't get too far into it, but um, the there you know with any acquisition there are going to be changes. So there have been some changes, not a whole lot. But spring is moving forward. Spring is as uh, a, a part of Broadcom. Uh, we'll know more about kind of what the direction looks like uh, in the future. But right now, everything is full steam ahead. 3.2 went out. I already saw, you know, some early plans for 3.3. So everything is moving ahead. Uh, nothing's changed on that front that I'm aware of. And that's, you know, I've been told what everybody else knows. So um, I'll kind of put that out there and... That's what I know. So, yeah. um, cool. Um, I'm going to bring up the release notes. This is my favorite, like the best way to dive into a new release. Um, so every release, every like major minor release, we have these release notes, and the team puts this together, and it's really great because it's kind of broken up into three sections. One is, hey, you're upgrading from the previous version. So if you are upgrading from 3.0, you may want to go back to the 3.1 release notes and see what's changed from there. Um, this is just, hey, you're upgrading from 3.1 to 3.2. Then there is the new and noteworthy, what do you care what should you care about when it comes to what's new? And then there are dependency upgrades and my, main, minor things that have changed and then hey deprecations in Spring Boot 3.2. So the release notes are usually broken down into those sections. And for those of you listening on the podcast, we'll get a, a link. I think there is a link for this already in the show notes. But this is under github.com spring dash project, spring boot, wiki, and the release notes for 3.2. So I want to quickly go through these. We're not going to go through these line by line, but this will allow us to kind of dive into uh, some of the new things and talk about what's new so in the upgrading from spring boot 3.1 there are a few things that you want to dive into there's now an auto configure users detail service Um, if you are using h2 spring boot now uses a new version of h2 which is 2.2 it says in here uh, to continue using the database from earlier version of h2 it may be necessary to perform data migration so go ahead and read through that uh, jetty 12 uh, we now are sp- uh, the new dependency for kotlin is 1.9.0 uh, there's some information on nested jar support and uh, it's a good time to talk about deprecation so it says um, classes methods and properties that were deprecated in Spring Boot 3.0 have been removed so the way we've talked about this in the past but the way that deprecations work in spring boot is we will mark something as deprecated and two versions later it is now removed So anything that was marked as deprecated for removal in Spring Boot 3.0 is now removed here When we get down to the end of this release document if something has been marked for deprecated uh, for removal That will be gone now in 3.4. So we're gonna it's two versions later. It's marked and then it's removed. um So that's it. That's it for moving from 3.1 to Um, 3.2. So the first item on new and noteworthy is Spring for Apache Pulsar support. Spring Boot now includes auto configuration support and starter palms for the Spring for Apache Pulsar project. If you're interested in learning more about Pulsar and what it's used for, messaging, um, just an alternative in that kind of space, uh, go ahead and look through the documentation for that uh the log correlation ids so spring boot will automatically log correlation ids we're never using micrometer tracing you can look at the docs for this i believe in previous versions we had some docs around hey if you want to change the logging to get those correlation ids in your log statements, you could do so and now we're just kind of automatically doing that which is really great to see Yep. um okay and then we come to one of my favorite new features the rest client um so Spring Boot 3.2, oh, I just kind of lost my screen, huh? Spring Boot 3.2 is including support for the new REST client interface, which was introduced in Spring Framework 6.1. So uh, I figure this would be a good time to kind of talk through some of this uh, yep. for, those who, for those not familiar with it. So, and I know that, I don't know about you, but the word client always kind of throws me off. Like, what's a client? Like, I understand client-server communications, mm-hmm. but... We, we call all these clients and I think, I mean, even I was going to say as like a junior developer, but even five years ago, this would like confuse me. But a client in this case is really nothing more than, hey, I'm in an application and I need to talk to another service. So I am the client. Um, so we call a lot of these things clients. Um, but going back to uh, any kind of, before some of this stuff happened, if you were in a Spring Boot application and you need to talk to another service, um, if you were in a Spring MVC app, a blocking app, you would reach for the REST template. Right, the REST template had these a uh, whole bunch of methods on there for like making exchanges or hey, I want to perform a GET request or a post request, and 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 it worked. It worked for a while. It did good. As like. Uh, kind of requests came in to make changes to uh, the REST template, those, you know, as, as, as things, as kind of issues came up, we added more methods and more overloaded methods. So what happened with the REST template is it got to this point where it's like, okay, there's a lot of methods in here. There's a lot of overloaded methods. We don't really want to add any more to it. It's not that we couldn't. It's just that we feel like we've added enough here and we've already... It's already a little bit confusing, right? So, if we add more to it, it's just going to be more confusing. So, at some point, we decided to put in the documentation hey, this is feature complete. Don't use, there's going to be nothing else added to the REST template. And I saw, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name. You're very important here. And I'm just like, I have a brain fog right now. But I saw a uh, one of the Spring engineers who works on this, and he said, like, he really wishes we didn't put that in the documentation because, like, you, said, you know this because we talk to people who do this. Like, people thought that meant deprecated. Like, we're yep. never going to use REST template again. And that was not the case. It was just, we didn't want to add to the confusion of it. So then, um, you know, with reactive programming and Spring Web Flux came along, we learned from that and then built this web client. We had this nice, fluent API. It was just easy to use. Uh, it was great, um, and then you can actually use it in blocking applications because there was a block method on there, right? So you know, we started. If if you're in a Spring MVC app, you can use the web client. Uh, just bring in the Spring Web Flux dependency, and then was like, well, I'm in an MVC app. Do I want to bring in that Web Flux dependency? And you know, those are a lot of the thoughts that we heard from the community. Yep. Spring Boot Three comes along. We have HTTP interfaces, but at that time. You still needed to bring in the web client to do that, so that's a long story to say that we kind of learned from all of that. And out of the wood, you know, out of that uh, discussion came the REST client. So the REST client is similar to the web client, where it's got this nice fluent API, it's got a builder syntax, it's easy to use, but it's for blocking applications. No longer do you need to bring in a uh, external dependency. If you're in a Spring MVC app, the REST client is easy to use. And uh, I think the the best thing for me is like when you're in a WebMVC app and you create a new REST client and you hit dot, there's not those hundred methods. There's post, get, put, delete. Like, (laughs) let me start there. Like, I know where I'm starting because I'm going to make a get request. Right. And just the kind of fluent style there, it's just much easier to use. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, the documentation here shows you exactly what's uh, you know what's going on here. I think one of the important things to note is that uh, you'll see that the uh restclient.builder is something that gets created for you. So Spring Boot creates a pre Spring Boot creates and preconfigures a prototype restclient.builder bean for you. So if you need to create an instance of a rest client uh, you can use that Rest client.builder. From there, you can customize it. You can set the base URL. Um, you can do things like change the factory. I know that's one thing a lot of people like to do. Um, now, I'll, I'll say that because I'm going to come back to this, but REST template was not only not deprecated, but REST Client is built on top of REST template. So it's still using REST template underneath the hood. So that's not going anywhere. So if you're still using that in your existing applications, that's fine. REST Client builds on that. Um, There is a section in here somewhere. Uh, Basically there's a way, uh, what is it? Yeah, so um, the way that it works uh, kind of underneath the hood is depending on the class path, it'll determine on which what HTTP client under not underlying HTTP client to use. So if Apache HTTP client is on the class path, it'll use that first. If Jetty's on the class path, uh, it'll use that. If not, it will fall back to a simple JDK client using the HTTP URL connection. And there's also a way to configure JDK's HTTP client Since we are in a Spring Boot 3 app, we know we're using at least Java 11. We can go ahead and reach for that. And I know I've watched a lot of Josh's videos. He uh, automatically reaches for and does that. And I've kind of been falling back to that as well, using that JDK client. So that is the rest client. Um, Any questions about that?
1: None in the chat. All right. None in the chat. Um, So far, so good. Uh, I think you were just getting excited here.
0: Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, I was probably just a little excited. Uh, Simon said I, my audio was starting to pink. Yep. I was just
1: getting excited. So Simon also brought up a question. You know, my biggest query is how the team would deal with the Hibernate situation. So uh, for those of you that mm-hmm. don't know, we released Spring Boot 3.2. And then the day, the next day, Hibernate came out with a new version. and. Yep. And of life, the previous version, the version that got released with Spring Boot 3.2. I haven't yep. seen the thread. I don't know how that's going to be handled, but that's what Simon is bringing up here. Uh, so definitely, we, it was unexpected. There was some uh, miscommunication. Do you have yep. anything on that?
0: No, I've seen uh, internal discussions uh, on the Spring team. I'm very aware of what's going on there. I don't know what the end result yet is either, but uh, I will pay attention to that. And if we can get some information on it, we will definitely share yeah, it with tune you. in. Tune in here
1: next time. We'll have an update for you.
0: Cool. So uh the rest temp- the rest client. There's also a JDBC client. So the JDBC client came in uh, Spring Framework 6.1. Uh, Spring Boot 3.2 adds auto-configuration for this. So if you were to go in and build a new web app with JDBC support, not only will you get that JDBC template, but you'll get the JDBC client uh, auto-configured for you and available. So if you're in a uh, service class and you want to pull that in, you can. The JDBC client, similar to the REST client, right? What did we talk about? We talked about the JDBC template's been around since, what, 1.0? Like, it's been around forever. And it gave you this kind of abstraction um, on top of JDBC to talk to a database. But again, there were so many methods, so many overloaded methods. Like, sometimes it got a little confusing. You had to provide a row mapper when you want to like map a particular object to a row, right? The JDBC client gives you a fluent API, very easy to use. Uh, You don't actually need a row mapper if you have something like a record that lines up to the object that you're trying to deserialize it to, right? So you can say, hey, I have a customer that looks like this. Instead of providing a row mapper, you can just provide a record for like a customer and it'll map to that. So no longer having to write row mappers, which I think was confusing for some people. Um, That's really nice. Now, you still can if things don't line up. Correctly, and you need to, you can. Uh, But being able to just provide a type in the query that is going to get returned, uh, I think that's really cool. So, JWC client, REST client, uh, just improves readability uh, for me, improves developer experience, makes it much more, much easier. And I don't know about you, but most of the applications I'm building are like talking to a database or talking to a service. So, These things are going to be something that we use all the time. And I'm excited about that.
1: So uh, there's another thing. Uh, We have a question here. Are you guys going to talk about GraalVM? I'm going to say one thing. uh, Now that we're talking about the JDBC client, one of the reasons that I reach for Spring Data JDBC these days, instead of Spring Data JPA, uh, is because I'm a big fan of GraalVM. I'm a big fan of these enterprise-grade apps running on tiny, tiny little footprints. And... Just by switching to Spring Data JDBC instead of Spring Data JPA, uh, I'm getting faster turnaround on my image builds, uh, better performance, uh, much smaller stack and a smaller footprint when I deploy. Uh, so yes, we talk about GraalVM uh, here. It's not kind of a main topic today, but it's one of those things that's constant. It's consistent. It, it's, we've had support since Spring Boot 3, you know, a year ago. So there's tons of new cool use cases and tons of things to talk about. But yeah, this is one that kind of ties into this Spring Data JDBC instead of Spring Data JPA uh, as I'm going forward. So yeah, just my default yeah.
0: changed. And I think if you look at Spring Boot 3 with GraalVM, Spring Boot 3.2 with Virtual Threads, uh, Crack Support, there's a huge theme here, which is runtime efficiency. So we've heard from everyone. One of the things we want to see improved here is runtime efficiency all of these different workloads that I'm trying to get my Spring apps into We now have an answer for everything. There is really no reason not to build in Java, not to build in Spring, because we have an answer for everything. So one of those other answers is the next topic in the release notes, which is virtual threads. So virtual threads, uh, Spring Boot 3.2 ships support, ships with support for virtual threads. To use virtual threads, you need to have Java 21. So select Java 21 and Spring Boot 3.2 and then set the property spring.threads.virtual.enabled to true. That's it. That's all you got to do. Now you're no longer using traditional threads that are tied to platform threads. You are using these virtual threads that are, inf- it gives, uh, as Cora, our co-worker says, uh, that I really like, I'm going to steal this from her. She says it gives you the illusion of infinite scalability. And we know that's not the case. But that illusion of infinite scalability is, is really what I take from it. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about virtual threads. One of the things we've talked about over the last year is the thing that excites me is this is all you have to do. You change this property. We're not asking you to like upgrade and refactor your entire application to support this new thing. All you have to do is change a property. You're now using virtual threads. And I think from higher up, from a JDK perspective – that's what i'm really impressed with as far as virtual threads go it wasn't like you know it's backwards compatible and that's what java has always tried to do like this is backwards compatible you don't need to change your code uh to take advantage of this so pretty cool
1: here's a good question uh i'm going to tie it back uh uh Arshvin and solitary turian uh, i want to do one thing i want to amplify what you're doing if you if you could write a blog post or something, show us some of these uh, results, I would love to amplify it. I'd love to uh, you know, shoot me a note on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, you've got my email. Uh, I'd love to amplify some of those stories for the community. But here's a question. Is there a reason not to use Virtual Threads feature? Have you read
0: yeah, yeah, so so if you're in a traditional Spring MVC app that is doing blocking operations, like talking to a database, uh, talking over HTTP to another service, this is an, a great use case for scalability when it comes to uh, virtual threads. But if you're running something that's like purely computational and there are no blocking operations, you can use virtual threads, but you're not going to gain anything from that. Uh, on the flip side, if you are already using something like reactive programming and Spring Web Flux, you could use virtual threads, but you are not going to see any advantages there because you are already doing that. You are not blocking things, right? Virtual threads are meant to: hey, I want to spawn a million of these, and you go off and do this tiny little task and then go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if you are if you are not doing blocking operations and it's purely CPU intense uh, intensive applications. You you can enable them. Not going to hurt, but it's not going to help. So, this is purely a uh, if it's not purely, but if you want to use it uh, in a scenario where in the past you might have reached for something like reactive programming or throwing more hardware at a problem as a scalability solution, this is going to offer uh, a tremendous results. I think.
1: The only the only problem that I can foresee with using virtual threads is where you are dependent on that blocking as a bottleneck. Where you have deployed infrastructure that's, let's say it's writing to a queue and you've got a limited number of workers that are pulling from that queue and you are dependent on that worker taking a certain amount of time. So you had a bottleneck so you could kind of build a, uh, a, yeah, a buffered queue. This is the only time where, when you're depending on that blocking as part of a bottleneck for further processes, that's the only time you might run into a reason not to employ those virtual threads. Otherwise, you can deploy those virtual threads. Uh, At worst, you're gonna see no problems, no performance hit. At best, you're gonna see some performance improvement. Uh, But there may be a situation where you are depending on that blocking and you might have to turn it off. But it's worth a try. Do the experiment and let us know how it goes.
0: Cool. Uh, Any other questions here? Cool. Um, Yeah, so that's Virtual Threads. Uh, I'm excited about that. I'm going to, you know, a lot of the I, I'm really excited for the community to get their hands on this because before it was just a preview. I know people were giving it, you know, a little bit of a run behind the scenes. to, see how to go. I'm excited for people to get this into production. And as Deshaun said, if you are start sharing those results with us, uh, we'd be happy to to amplify that and let others know um, what you're seeing. So please reach out to us. Cool. Yeah. Um, so the other thing when it comes to kind of runtime efficiency is initial support for project cracked or uh, coordinated restore at checkpoint. Um, now you're probably thinking, what is, what is that? What, what What is Project Crack? So if you go into uh, the documentation, uh, there's some really good information on uh, what Project Crack is. Uh, I think, uh, where was I looking? This was what I was looking for. Um, so in the Spring Boot docs, in the reference docs, there's a good kind of introduction to what Project Crack is. Um, and really, uh, Project Crack, actually, Deshaun, I'm going to let you... St- You are the expert here. I'm going to let you talk about this one. Uh,
1: So the idea is some workloads need a fast startup time. Some workloads that uh, maybe they're only running or they're on a a a timer. They're only going to run once an hour uh, to kick off some uh, process. But that, that startup time matters, especially for some of these new advanced workloads that are running in the cloud. The startup time, one of the big pain points uh, as we started moving into the serverless architecture was uh, Java and Spring Boot started up too slow. We can, we can never use it because we pay per millisecond when we're running in the cloud. So Native Images came along. Native Images, definitely fast startup, but it took uh, some ahead of time processing. We had to change the way our applications were working and we lost some of the benefits of the JVM. Coordinate Restore at Checkpoint, Project Crack, came along and said, hey, we love the JVM. We don't wanna give up all of the benefits of the JVM. We just want that faster startup time. So Mm -hmm. what it does is your Spring Boot application or other application starts up and you can define where you want to take a checkpoint. Hey, my application is warmed up. I have all my connections. Everything is ready to go. I am healthy. You can define, this is where I'd like to take a checkpoint. Your platform, whatever you're doing, is gonna take a checkpoint. It's gonna write the state of that application, of that JVM running application. It's gonna write it to disk. And ideally your platform is going to take care of that because in that state is going to be connections to your databases connection to your uh, other services and credentials etc so you want to be careful about what you put into that checkpoint but if you have a, a good platform your platform will also be able to as you scale up it'll be able to start from that checkpoint immediately so you don't have to wait for those connections your connections will automatically be populated credentials will be there and you'll be ready to go so it's another way of getting super fast startup time in milliseconds, but still having all the benefits of the JVM included. And today, like the Azul uh, JVM has been kind of the leader in the forefront of delivering that. There's Mm -hmm. also an implementation. If you look at Amazon's Snapstart on Lambda, you can get those same similar benefits matching that same pattern where they're writing the entire virtual machine to disk and and encrypting. Your platform should take care of that for you. Do not, pro tip, do not put your checkpoints into your container registry because it's gonna contain everything that's in that JVM, everything that's in the heap, everything in the stack. All of that information is gonna be there. Don't put that into your registry. Let your platform handle it. But it's another exciting way that we can take our existing Java applications, we can give them even more benefit just by switching the JVM that they run on and running them on a platform that can handle a checkpoint and restore.
0: Yep. So yeah, I'm, for those of you at home, I'm looking at the Azul docs. If you go over to the Azul docs and do a crack introduction, this is a really good intro. There's some startup performance improvements here. So they took the, um, uh, 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 are they using pet Clinic? I don't think so, but in another one they are. So here's a Spring Boot app that starts up in like four seconds after, um uh, after they take a snapshot and use it on crack 38 milliseconds so huge improvement there Um, And it's exciting to see that stuff. I want to share an article I shared out today on Twitter by Garrett Grunwald. Um, There's a really good article on Fuji, and I'll try to get this in the show notes. And Garrett goes through here and, similar to the crack introduction, talks about it. Hey, go ahead and get the um, Azul uh, uh, Zulu uh, JDK right here. Um, You can run it with 17 or 21. Uh, And he goes through, and what he does is actually take the Spring Pet Clinic app and shows you, like, what it takes to start it up, then does a um, checkpoint restore, starts it up with that checkpoint, and uh, shows you kind of the improvements that he's made throughout that, so... Pretty cool. You can get all the way down to seventy-five milliseconds as opposed to five milliseconds with just the, the 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 base Spring Pet Clinic. So great article. Uh, thank you, Garrett, for that.
1: Yeah. One of the questions, uh, you tweeted about this article. One of the questions I saw was the about like, hey, if I take a a checkpoint on an AMD sixty-four machine, can I run it on Arm sixty-four? The answer is no. Just mm-hmm. like our native images, the where you deliver that image, whether it's a native image or whether it's a crack checkpoint, those have to be ran on the same architecture operating system that they were created on. So Mm -hmm. what's the answer? Let let your pipeline do it. Let your platform handle the creation of those images. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it, but get the benefits of them. If you don't have the ability to do that today, you need to raise your hand and start asking right now because the benefits Mm -hmm. are amazing.
0: Yep, so cool. Uh, a lot of runtime efficiency improvements. Uh, as I said, Deshaun and I will see if we can't dive into that further as we're going along. Um, what is that? Uh, sorry, there's a question there. Any notable features by using virtual threads along with Spring WebFlux? Is it is it worth it to use virtual threads in a WebFlux app? So I've, I believe we answered that question. Uh, no. Um, so that's that. Uh, Going through the release notes, uh, we got a couple minutes here. We got to cut this short today, but um, some observability improvements. Uh, what I really like about this is you can now use uh, some of these uh, micrometers uh, annotations, like add observed. Before, you had to like configure a bean to do this. Now, as long as um, you have aspect J on the class path, AOP. Uh, now you can use like the ad @Observed annotation right on a method instead of having to do the observation not started within a method and and kind of I don't know not just like I did yourself. yesterday. Yep,
1: I was doing it the old way yesterday. Yep, yep. Uh, I created a, a, a Twitch micrometer exporter for Prometheus, uh, yeah. and now you're you're telling me like oh, just I didn't see these, I didn't read these release notes. Uh, yeah, it'd been on my mind, so now I got to go back and redo that. So yep. another awesome. Way. The the bottom line is from Spring Framework 6, from Spring Boot 3, the observability features have been fundamental and core to all of these amazing new benefits. Uh, I, I need to always shout out to Jonathan's Tea House uh, repository, I'll get that thrown in, but the, how easy it can be to have this massively mature observability stack right out of the gate with Spring Boot is, it's so easy. It's so easy. The Spring team continues to deliver these things that make my life easier, and I'm here for it. and i want to I want to make sure that everybody knows about uh, Jonathan's,
0: yep. and videos. Simon says and observability during testing. That's right. That's in the release notes. So before it would just not work in testing at all, <laughs> now you can go ahead and use that in testing. so yeah,
1: like and. Like observability and testing, I'm now using this test application that I get uh, automatically configured out of start.spring.io. I'm automatically deploying Zipkin uh, with everything because I get a test container with Zipkin that allows me to put my traces in. As I'm doing my development, I have a Zipkin container that I can run and I can go look and see, is this working the way that I expected it to work? And I get that out of the gate. I don't have to do anything.
0: Yep. One of the fun things
1: I did last week is I had my son start doing spring boot apps. Uh, and nice. I started way in the wrong way. I should have had him start on spring.academy. And I realized that right after we were done streaming, <laughs> uh, I should have had him start on spring.academy and get some momentum first. But I had yep. him, he uh, installed as Ubuntu, installed Docker, he installed the test. Like he did all the things manually. Nice. But you shouldn't have to. I, no. I was kind of, I realized the benefits of having a platform that does these things for you. Uh, and yeah, and now spring boot helps so much.
0: Cool. Um, so yeah, we have got to cut this little short this week. That's all right. We have plenty of more shows to, to go into this. So I, I'm going to two things. Well, a couple things in closing one, check out the spring boot 3.2 release notes. That will tell you everything you need to know about this release. Two, if you want st- to. If you want to see us dive deeper into some of these, I mean, we're gonna, but if there's anything you want specifically, please feel free to reach out to us uh, at Deshaun on Twitter, at The Real Dan Vega on Twitter. Uh, you have plenty of ways that you can get a hold of us. Let us know. Also, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're starting to put together plans for 2024. What are some of the things that you're interested in learning? What is on your kind of 2024 um, goal list? What are, you, what are you trying to get into that maybe we can help out with? So that is some homework for the Spring Office Hours community. If you can do that and let us know, that would be really great. And Deshaun and I will um, start to put together a plan. for we, we have a plan for the rest of this year, but we'll start to plan out next year. And I think it's going to be a lot of
1: fun. So... Make Anything sure you, you want to close with. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe, uh, you know, get notified because, uh, we've already got the next couple of shows scheduled. Uh, I don't want you to miss it. It's yep. always more uh, fun in person, but if you miss it, yeah. Just
0: we subscribe. do have uh, some exciting shows coming up. So if you want to find out about those springoffstars.io, you can find out what's going to happen and yeah, that should be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Deshaun, it was really good hanging out with you again. I've missed you. Uh, And I missed all of you out there. So uh, until next time, uh, happy coding, everyone. Take care.